0: Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still Knee Deep in Tech, and this is episode 26, yeah. recorded on the 23rd of November, 2017. Exactly.
1: And I, I'm a bit curious. Why, do, uh, why you don't introduce yourself as the sequel family man?
0: Um, hashtag. Hashtag sequel family. That's, that's Patrick LeBlanc. Yeah. He, he, he said that I'm the sequel family man. and Well, to be very, very clear, I didn't create sequel family the the, the hashtags family I, I I did not do that but I kind of took it and ran with it yeah and and you it put it on everyone's wrist on everyone's wrist and pretty much everyone's badge yeah and I I, I admit I like swag I like stuff and who don't who, who doesn't true yeah and I'm I'm considering what to do for the next summit yep. we're we're gonna need more stuff with yep. SQL family on it Yep how about a
1: t-shirt yeah of course we need to get t-shirts sure and if you want to know more about this listen to our special episode number three
0: yes from PASS Summit from PASS Summit with Patrick LeBlanc Adam Saxton and Rob Sewell yep actually very
1: interesting even if you aren't into BI or SQL if just if you're into community and uh, what's happening in general yeah in, at definitely in and in data platform especially
0: and in in, in data platform i'll be um, uh, i'm actively trying to track some people down to do more interviews and as soon as i've managed to sort out the technology to be able to do interviews via skype or yeah. whatever we're going to have way more people on the show yeah so I'm very much looking forward to that so if you
1: if you want someone to appear on the show please let us know and if you have any good tips on how to make a high quality recording over Skype or whatever
0: yes and the keyword here is is high quality yeah I mean we are doing this on a zoom h6 recorder and it is just phenomenal yeah and it would be unfortunate if uh, the sound quality over Skype would be that much worse, yeah. But I, I'm quite sure that it's doable. Um, I listen to a few podcasts where the the hosts are definitely not in the same room, so it it works. I'll just have to find out exactly how. Yeah. So it's it's coming. Well, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Sure has. And I'll I'll start off with. I've been doing a lot of teaching. You have, yes. And uh, should we say time-focused
1: teaching or um, focused teaching in general? You have been compressing courses left like and right never before.
0: Yes. Well, what what we usually do when we do internal courses is to compress them from five days to, in some cases, four or three. Yep. And of course, we can always combine courses to create something slightly special. And the first uh, course that I taught two weeks ago was a combination of, of 761, which is the t course. And we had parts of 767, which is the BI course. And something that I cannot remember for the life of me at the moment, what the number is for the Power BI course. So it, we pretty much took these, put them in the blender and out came a couple of days of highly special highly specialized uh, training for a select few people at a customer site. And just yesterday I finished up a two day version of the 44 for one, which is the cloud data platform course. Which is
1: usually how many days? Three days. Three days, Yeah, yeah.
0: And it, it's quite interesting to do these kinds of courses. The 20-series courses are the classic certification courses. The material is usually very, very well thought through. Lots of labs. Uh, the, um, the presentation is easy to follow and, and so on and so forth. The 40-series and the 10-series are not necessarily connected to a certification now, f- the forty forty one is connected to four seventy three, which is the cloud data platform. So that's a slight change, but the the material was quite different. Yeah, to be um, kind,
1: but in, in what way?
0: Th- um, the the labs were very. You had a lot re- of labs where you were supposed
1: to do the lab by yourself, like do something you're used to.
0: No, that's the uh, that's, that's the, the demos. Okay, yeah. And and that's also something I was going to, to touch on. The demos on the 20 series is usually very well thought out. You have step-by-step step exactly what to do, when to do it. Here I got use your favorite demo. Yeah. This is your goal. Now, I don't think that is a very bad idea. No. It kind of gives me more uh, ability to to customize the course and, and do my spin on it, but it is another way to think. And this is pretty much what, what I'm my point of this whole rant is stuff is happening to training. Yep. I no longer think that a strict course over a couple of days is the way to go. We're more and more looking at smaller courses with 2 or 3 or 4 students very specialized and very much adapted to the specific issues that they are facing yeah so more more workshops than training exactly more workshops than training and yesterday i had yesterday and the day before i had eight our, our top uh, data platform guys from atia from all over uh, the country in in my classroom and I realized quickly that this is not going to be a classic course. I won't be standing and talking and they just be doing what I'm telling them to. It's more of a discussion. And my wife, she uh, teaches teachers yep. at the university. So she, she teaches people to become teachers in, in um, high school and uh, in college. Uh, there is a v- pretty old concept called the flipped classroom. Yeah. Which is basically, you don't have this. Uh, the, the, the teacher won't be going through material and the students would do stuff, but turn it on its head. Students will come. They have been doing lots of stuff before they come to the lecture. The lecture is more of a discussion. What did you find uh, to be difficult? How did you think? Wh- what did you think of this? And how can we do this? And that was pretty much what my uh, two days ended up with you've seen this um, how can we do this easier for our customers what kind of issues have you bumped into and so on and so forth so that's what i see to be the future for training in general when it comes to smaller teams and smaller groups yeah and that that's usually what
1: in my experience people are asking for they have a specific problem a specific task ahead of them how can we solve this?
0: True. The only issue is that creating material takes a lot of time. Yep. And the only way to capitalize on this is to be able to reuse the material, yep. which means that it has to be fairly generic. Yep. On the other hand, in the 40441 course, there was a few slides where that was completely generic on the other hand i spent 30 minutes on one slide yeah and of course give me a whiteboard and i can just (laughs) keep drawing for ages but it's very important to keep in mind that not necessarily everything is the same with these courses so you need to you need to prepare and of course as an mct as a trainer you're used to preparing but it's another kind of preparation it is yeah and and of course I can pretty much give the 20 series courses to anyone and go and say, teach this. And it's going to work. And when it comes to workshops, it is not going to work. You need to know your shit. Yep, exactly. And you also need to know and need to hear what is the client or the customer telling me without saying so outright.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that we have had some challenges with that Some of the organizations we work with for training, they know exactly what to ask for. Do you need this kind of knowledge on this product, on what level? Mm. But they do not ask, what are you supposed to use it for? Why do you want to learn this?
0: Correct. And that's exactly what happened last week. I, I had spent 30 minutes with them going through, okay, what do you need? What exactly do you want to learn? Everyone was happy and after a couple of hours it turns out that oh no, we've we've never opened this. Hmm. You have not. What? (laughs) So it was of course a bit of a disconnect so I had to backtrack and kind of redo stuff. But it worked out in the end. Yep. So what's been happening in the world of Azure? I saw a tweet. A very small one. (laughs) Shots have been fired.
1: And not uh, and not
0: small shots No, this is the opening barrage of a quite an interesting war
1: yeah so uh, l- monday or tuesday tuesday microsoft released a blog post on transforming your vmware environment with microsoft azure by Corey sanders what they included in that blog post are basically three things one, a frictionless path to Azure for your VMware environment where you, using Azure Migrate, can migrate entire VMware-based applications. So back-end servers, front-end servers, databases, everything that runs on VMware. You can use Azure, Migration, Azure Migrate to build a diagram of how your application looks, and it will help you to migrate the entire application to Azure from VMware. This, of course, it has been possible to migrate from VMware to Azure previously, but that's on a single V per VM base. So you can take one of your VMs and put it up in Azure. It doesn't have any kind of connection to other VMs in that sort. So that's that, and that's quite obvious that it would do something like that. You can also um, see how much utilization you will have from CPU memory disks and so on. So you can choose the specific VM type you need in Azure and move your entire application. The other thing they announced uh, was the integration of some of the Azure services in VMware workloads. So you can actually use site recovery, updating configuration management, uh, security center, log analytics, and so on for your VMware on-prem environment and still leverage Azure services. Ooh. And wait for it. What? You mean there's more? Yes. I'll just read the headline and wait for your reaction. Okay. Host VMware infrastructure with VMware virtualization on Azure. As in run? VMware on Azure hardware. You are shitting me. I'm not. You will be able to run your VMware environment on a bare metal solution on Azure hardware
0: in an Azure data center. Um, What was uh, VMware's um, response to this? That's the interesting part.
1: The next day, AJ Patel, senior vice president of uh, the cloud services of VMware, published a blog post where he declared war on Azure. Really? I, I think that that's the only way I re- can read it. Okay. I'll just take a few picks out of this. Uh, recently, Microsoft announced preview of VMware virtualization on Azure, a bare metal solution that is stated to run a VMware stack on Azure hardware co-located with other Azure services in partnership with VMware certified partners. No VMware certified partners' names have been mentioned, nor have any partners collaborated with VMware in engineering this offering. This offering has been developed independent of VMware and is neither, wait for it, certified nor supported by VMware.
0: That's interesting, not unexpected, but that's that's pretty clear cut. It there is, is no uh, no um, no space for any compromise. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then they keep ranting on. Sorry for, I'm a bit biased in the question, of course, (laughs) just (laughs) a bit. I know. Uh, But they they continue on this track. And I quote again, Microsoft recognizing the leadership position of VMware's offering and exploring support for VMware on Azure as a superior and necessary solution for customers over Hyper-V or native Azure Stack environments is understandable. But... We do not believe this approach will offer customers a good solution to their hybrid or multi-cloud future.
0: Interesting.
1: And then it keeps on going on why you should use AVS with your VMware solutions, why VMware is the best, and so on.
0: Since VMware and Amazon Web Services have a collaboration. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Okay. So I would say this is a full-on war. It definitely looks like that it's going to be interesting to see how microsoft responds to this response if they respond if if they kind of take the bait yes
1: yeah and when when i looked into this i found uh, and found this article on twitter i started talking to to the guy posting it and what what we ended up talking about was what's non supported actually means yes i i guess that you would receive support from Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not on VMware itself. Yep. But I I guess that could be possible as well because you could obviously use partners to give support on VMware because really it it shouldn't be an issue. It's still still a data center. Mm -hmm. Just somewhere else and with a huge Microsoft or the horrible new Azure logo on. So it should be running just fine. Yep. And I guess that you together with partners or if Microsoft employs VMware engineers could give you some kind of unsupported support
0: or unrecognized support. Yeah, the, the whole issue that I can see would be if there was a pissing contest between VMware and Microsoft over an issue. Yeah. And you know, I just realized that I've seen this before. You have? Yes, I have. When VMware became kind of mainstream and people started running oracle on it yep and oracle's been bitching since the dawn of time <laughs> pretty much that no you cannot run on vmware blah 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 and it started out with no you can't we won't support it then it changed into well unless you can show that your issue is reproducible on bare metal we won't support it and these days it is fully supported but they are going to hunt you to the end of the world with the licensing, which is a whole other discussion, which I won't <laughs> go into detail here. We'll do a special I'm, on Oracle licensing. Oh dear. <laughs> I, yeah, let's not. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting, and, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. This is going to happen, and I'm quite surprised that it's not it's not been done the other way around. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Can you run a Hyper-V load on AWS? Good question. That's something we need to find out, but my guess would be no. Yeah, and that would be interesting if
1: Microsoft, because they are working together with AVS and Amazon on other things. Yes. If they could do that, Hmm. then Amazon has a pretty tough choice. Yes. What to do. Uh, and I guess Amazon doesn't have a tough shows because they could support both but that would give Amazon a huge um, edge over Azure in my opinion then sure. you could actually choose whatever
0: you like well which is pretty much what I'm I'm expecting we're going to get to.
1: but but anyways this is just VMs you don't have all the pass and sauce services uh, exactly. that Azure offers but
0: still yeah. lift and shift VMs without having to do, go through the hassle of, of converting them to to v yeah Quite interesting, and we'll see where it end, ends up.
1: Yeah, and and to be completely honest with this, the reason why Microsoft are doing this is to ease the migration from VMware to Azure. Yes, it's. I I don't think that Microsoft sees VMware virtualization on Azure as a, an end game.
0: No, no, it, no, no. It's no, just not, a not way
1: to leverage Azure for the things you can't convert
0: to easily. Yeah. Yes. No, I I agree completely. And speaking of of. Um, sharing so to speak that has got to be one of the worst segues i've ever done that might be the it name it of this it episode it depends on where you're going well i'm going to um guest users guest yes <laughs> what power bi there's been an awakening i was about to say there's been a new release uh, again yes but this this time it's uh kind of mixing up stuff that's been been in Azure for quite some time. Azure B2B. Yep. And now you can grant access to uh, external users to your um, Power BI dashboards and stuff. That's great. It is great. And well, of course, there are some caveats, but in general, it is the same technique as as used in in, uh, Azure B2B, meaning that for all intents and purposes, the, the people you share this stuff to is the same as your own organization. Yep. And it's fairly seamless. The way I've read it so far, and I have not delved very deep into the licensing th- scheme of things, but it looks like you need to have a pro license for each and every person accessing it, which is fine. Yep. Which is just fine. I'm not 100% sure how to assign these uh, licenses just yet, but that's just because I haven't poked at this enough yet. Yep. But very promising. Yep. I'm very much looking forward to this. Speaking of this,
1: this is actually interesting. Now, th- you may not be able to answer this, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at my Teams uh, client at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually able to add a Power BI tab to Teams. I've been able to do that for a long time. Yes. And Teams supports guest users. Interesting idea. So, And you're able to show your Power BI reports in your channel, in a team, Mm -hmm. and invite guest users.
0: So my guess... And this is just a guess. Is that I have no clue. I started that's thinking... That's actually quite
1: it. interesting. Because I'm able to interact with this as I would in any oh, yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of...
0: I'm, I'm quite sure that's... Uh, it looks very much like Power BI embedded. Yeah. But the question is, if, even if you get access to the report, what about the data set? Is the data set shared in the same way? Since you're now in your... Own. I'm actually in a customer's team site now <laughs> adding
1: my own <laughs> demo Power BI reports. Oops. So I'll, I'll remove that.
0: Yep. But that's, we need to toy with that. Yep. Yeah.
1: Because that's a good use case, as I said as well. It is a
0: well. good use case. And how would you go about handling licensing? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Because y- you can invite anyone outside of your organization to a team site. Yep. And in, in that case... Yep.
0: We're going to look yeah. at that. Yep. We're going to look at that and follow up.
1: Interesting scenarios.
0: Definitely. Oh, can I say something more with Power BI?
1: You're always welcome to talk Power BI. Yay.
0: Yay. I was sitting in Eric Darling and, and Brent Ozars pre-con at Past Summit. Yep. And they showed a new thing, which is visualization of the output of the SP Blitz first uh, Store procedures. That's part of their um, toolkit, so to speak, the first responder kit. Yep. And it produces a crap load of very interesting output. But what they've done is to create a Power BI uh, report that parses this data and yep. it does a, a Power BI dashboard of it. That is huge. That's I'm cool very much surprised that it hasn't been done before and, and most of the good ideas are pretty obvious when someone comes up with them yep. and this is one of them. So it's going to be very nice to go e- into uh, depth on what is plotted out, what is visualized and how to use it. Yep. Some things with regards to uh, sequence server performance and pretty much any anything that has a lot of numbers is way easier to comprehend if you visualize it. Exactly. And
1: this the next thing I'm going to say could mm-hmm. be another example of a name of this episode. Next time you ask me or could I say something more about PreBI? I'll reply
0: be I guest You know, sometimes I hate you, Simon. <laughs> this is one of those times. That's a quote from my wife. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. I, I want you
1: I, I'm actually looking at her show notes. I want you to talk about the SQL operation studio before we go into the fun stuff which is config manager
0: did you did you just position SQL <laughs> operation studio as less fun than uh, config manager no I'm, I'm actually we have w- issues I'm actually quite interested in that yeah it's it's gonna be fun um, at uh, this year's tech days I met uh, a great guy and um, I won't mention his name since he told me stuff that I probably shouldn't hear. <laughs> and one of the things he told me about was project Carbon. Yep. Project Carbon is what Secret Operation Studio was called during the the development phase. Yep. And Secret Operation Studio is a um, uh, Pretty much a database agnostic tool. At the moment, it only uh, works with uh, SQL Azure and and uh, SQL Server on prem. Yeah. But in the future, it is supposed to be working with Oracle, with uh, PostgreSQL, with MySQL, with pretty much anything you they, want.
1: They should change name from SQL Operation Studio then.
0: Well, it's still SQL. Yeah. Not necessarily SQL Server. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's um. Th- how can I put this? It's a bit of a light version of, of um, the management studio. Yep. You have tiles, just like... Um, we need more tiles. The start ev- menu in Windows 10. Everybody needs tiles. <laughs> and the thing is, you can customize your own tiles. You can yep. create the code that runs behind the tiles. And there is a great blog post already out there with a guy that shows how to take some weight statistics and do a tile. So you can have a better dashboard than you ever had with SQL Server uh, Management Studio. Yeah. And this is going to be continually uh, developed. It's easy to to develop your own stuff for it, so on and so forth. It's not going to displace Management Studio, but it's more of a complement. So this is basically
1: Project Honolulu for SQL Server. Pretty much. Yep. So a web-based console?
0: No, 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 not web-based. Not web-based. It's no, a no. client. It's it's a client, and yep. it's uh, I think it's around thirteen or fourteen thousand files, every one with a, um, a .js extension. Yep. So it's unfortunately not written in a language that I like. No, but that's my <laughs> issue. That that's your issue. Yes. Yep. Okay. So I know you're you're kind of chomping at the bit. You want to talk about config manager
1: yeah because we have received two new versions really yes one so, you, preview so you mean and they, one. they
0: actually do but more? That, that, that was last week okay yeah uh
1: so we we received the current branch version 1710 of okay. config manager and this is fun yeah it oh. is okay because uh you get all good stuff and things that actually been in preview for just about one month are now generally available
0: Oh, that's So, so the
1: pace, is, they are picking up the pace. Oh, dear. And I'll just point out some of the goodies from it. Co-management is now generally available. And that means that you could manage uh, Windows 10 from version 1607. You can have it both on-premise AD joined and cloud, uh, like Azure AD joined at the same time. And use both Config Manager and Intune to manage your device.
0: Wait, wait a second. This... This was just a preview pretty... Yep. This is one of the features that went from preview to generally available very, very quickly. Exactly.
1: Wow. So then you could leverage Intune for some workloads that you previously used Config Manager for Uh and still use Config Manager for the things Intune can't. That is very nice. And then over time, migrate completely from Config Manager to Intune. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome and uh, something we really need to look into you are now able to restart computers from the config manager console which you have been able to using third-party tools for ages but now you can from the console and you will actually get a notification on each individual client if they have a pending restart Ooh. so, so you get a visual icon stating this device needs a restart and you're able to restart it from
0: the console. That is also very useful. It is.
1: Uh, and it again, it, it points to where we are going both with Intune and Config Manager. It, it should be that tool to use to manage clients, not just deploying software, because Config Manager can do so much more. Right. So leverage Config Manager to do as much as possible, and you can easily build uh, frontends to Config Manager, And the role-based access control is really, really good. So you can actually distribute uh, the workload for your entire organization if you want to.
0: I just had a thought, and that is not necessarily a good thing. But in (laughs) this case, um, I, I just realized how much issues are we looking at on your side of the fence with people being... How to put this? Kind of still expecting the config manager to work in a specific way and not realizing what more things you can do with it
1: i think that's quite common it and is yeah yeah yeah. you you many organizations only do os deployment and application deployment and do application deployment in the same way as they've done for years uh, and really not looking into what you're able to do not keeping up to pace with the new versions which you really should i've I can't remember for my life who said it the first time, but if you want to go quick with Windows 10, you need to be quicker with Config Manager.
0: That is a good point. I mean, you need to manage the darn thing.
1: Yeah. And the the upgrade process is quite simple. Mm. No problem at all. Um, So, but yeah, many Config Manager admins do things as they did a couple of years ago and aren't looking into the new features. Cool. Cool. Uh, moving on, I, I can do this for ages. Um, oh, we know. Yeah. So so we get the, the most interesting thing that I want to point out, and that's the last thing I'll take out in, in uh, speaking of Hello.
0: 1710.
1: Windows 10 ARM 64 device support. That's humongous. Yes. We know that they are coming, the ARM uh-huh. devices, and now we have support for them in Config Manager.
0: That kind of gives me pause for thought i mean if this is already in config manager yeah
1: how far no we we will get him to christmas and uh, before christmas
0: probably. i was just about to yeah, say yeah. that we, we're we going to see this very very soon yeah
1: we have already seen leaks of uh reviews oh we have of the new de- of new devices yeah okay uh, and and
0: and remind me, they, they are
1: completely
0: compatible in every yep, respect.
1: They should be. We, we haven't seen an actual finalized product okay. yet, but the the, test, the tests they are doing in the reviews, they, they are x86-based.
0: And you have about two weeks of battery time.
1: Kind of. Because uh, as far as I've read, uh, when using the Qualcomm 835 CPU, which is the one they are supporting... The a classic of, Snapdragon. The newest Snapdragon, sure, yeah, but but a Snapdragon, yeah. Uh, they get not as good performance as you would have liked to. All right. Uh, compared to uh, a low-end Intel or AMD CPU. Okay. But again, you get like days of battery life. So it it, I don't see ARM-based devices today replacing uh, work. Uh, like a heavy-duty workstation laptop, but they could replace so many cheaper products.
0: You know, I just had another brainwave. Yeah. Picture this. You have your tablet, Yeah. and in, instead of, uh, take a Surface Book. Yeah. And instead of keeping the GPU in the base yeah. and walking away with the, the screen, put an Intel processor in the dock or the base or whatever and have an ARM processor in your tablet stuff. So when you go on the train or whatever, you can work with your ARM stuff and you just put it back in the dock and you have the power of a classic X86. Yeah,
1: so that's basically w- what you do with GPUs today. Mm. So and I now when you say it, I I can't remember where I read it by but I think there are those kind of devices today. Really? Yeah. I'm not
0: 100 sure. I need a new toy.
1: Yeah, we always need new toys. If we have a 55-inch toy standing just beside us, we have received our new Sparkboard. Yep. Uh, which we will talk about another
0: time. When it's actually working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so many d- amazing things there and we also got last week a new Preview of Config Manager. So we get 12 previews each year and three uh CB releases. Um, so we get a bunch of stuff uh, lots of things with nested tar- task sequences that you could start a task sequence from a task sequence yep. uh, allow users to interact when installing an application as a system Ooh, that's nice. quite awesome that could be useful yeah and it will mi- minimize the need of application packaging because oh, then yeah, you yeah. can do your settings as yep, you like yep. during setup if you like to And we get a number of new compliance options. So for a Windows 10 device to be compliant, you could require it to have its firewall on, uh, UAC, uh, Windows Defender, Defender, real-time protection, valid
0: builds, and so on. Nice. That is useful.
1: Yeah. Uh, But now we'll have to wait until spring to get a new release, probably in time for 18.03, the Windows 18.03. Yeah, sure. Which we still don't know the name for. Spring creators no, update? spring spring fall, fall oh, sp- fall, the, fall spring the the fall spring yeah spring fall, or spring the spring autumn, oh autumn spring, sprung, sprung the sprung update
0: yes, so, so we we can we can we can deduce two things the first is that it's not boring to work with config manager stuff <laughs> it is just a way to keep you occupied and
1: self-destructive but it's still fun
0: pretty much yep and the other is that it is pretty much time to end the show and we'll be back next week we will thank you for having us today bye bye